Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. The time is just gone at 9.38 a.m. We continue with news and views this morning. And uh, just to remind our listeners that uh, you can get onto Salam Media's Facebook page. And this interview is coming to you live uh, on our Facebook page. We'll be talking with Mazar Khan, member of Hizb tahrir in the United Kingdom. We're talking about the Muslim world. We're talking about globalization. We're talking about a number of issues. And when one looks at it uh, the entire Muslim world at this point in time in one a big mess. We're looking at Palestine. We talk about Kashmir. We speak about Yemen. We speak about Syria. We speak about uh, uh, the Rohingya, even uh, Sri Lanka. And this is an onslaught on the Muslim world that is coming from ver- in various forms, in various ways, Islamophobia. And uh, the key issue here is while we are living in an era of a pandemic, while the world is uh, being obsessed with COVID-19, being fed uh, in the mainstream media with news, and uh, in fact, uh, to the extent that uh, this obsession has become a point that is uh, consuming us, yet uh, the entire Muslim world uh, that has been suffering for far too long. And uh, this is the reason why we are looking at talking to Mazar Khan as we head towards the end of 2020. We know he was due to come to South Africa this week, but unfortunately couldn't make it. But uh, we actually, uh, it's a pleasure having him with us on uh, Salam Media this morning. Brother Mazar, Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome and uh, Jazakallah Khairan so much uh, for joining us this morning. Now, I know you were due to come to South Africa. We were due to have this interview live in the studios with you here at Salam Media. Unfortunately, you couldn't make it. But uh, at the same time, Brother Mazar, uh, it is uh, time for us to reflect on where we are as a Muslim Ummah. And uh, as I pointed out, right across the entire world, there is this huge onslaught uh, against Muslims, against Islam in various forms and ways. Yes, um, and it's been uh, uh, very focused, especially since 9-11, but it's been continuing. It's it's actually a continuation of the colonial era. Um, and this is what globalization actually is, because what globalization is, is the outcome of the Western world to facilitate global trade to basically make it easier for the leading powers to access resources and access markets around the world. And this is achieved by forcing governments in other countries, including the Muslim world, to adopt to free market economics. And this is basically colonialism with a bit of PR. So globalization means Western products like jeans and mobile phones are made by slave labor across the world so they can sell them at huge prices for the Western markets. And the Muslim world is in this context. So our governments, our rulers are subservient to the Western world order. So even though the colonial period may have ended, Muslim countries are not independent. They don't have independent foreign policy and they don't have independence in the way they do their economics. And I think for any Muslim who is familiar with global affairs will understand that Muslim countries, Muslim leaders, 
are not independent in the way they act. And there are many, many examples that have gone before us in the recent past and in, 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 the, in the further history where we see this taking place. So uh, we, we are still subservient and we are not independent. Now, uh, Brother Mazar, when we look at the Muslim world today, we're talking of what close on to about 1.6 billion uh, people on the planet at this point in time as uh, Muslims. And uh, we are not short of numbers. We are not short of resources. We are not short of uh, skills, expertise, of intellect. And uh, in various forms and ways, at the end of the day, we can be totally uh, independent and we don't have to follow any of the isms, any of the systems that the West has actually thrown at the Muslim world. The key question is, why then are we so vulnerable? You know, uh, a lot of it stems from, and this is uh, unpalatable for some people, um, but a lot of the problem is centered in the political field. It's to do with the politics. Um, and it's created this illusion in the world that the Muslims are weak. It's creating an illusion that the Muslims are divided. And it's created an illusion that the, our enemies and our opponents have uh, a very strong hand and are undefeatable. And this is an illusion. And to be honest, uh, as Muslims, we should understand that we have been here before. This is not something new. We have been here before. For example, when the Crusaders occupied Palestine, Masjid al-Aqsa was occupied for a hundred years. And the only reason that a foreign power was able to come into the heart of the Muslim world and occupy a sacred land and stay there for a hundred years is because the disunity, political disunity of the Muslims in the area who colluded with the Crusader occupiers. And that is unfolding today as well. So for a hundred years, people thought, oh, we are not able to defeat the Crusaders. They are too strong. They are this, they are that. Our Iman is too weak. We are too corrupt. We are this. Until Salah al shattered that illusion. Salah al rahimullah, shattered that illusion. And in just one single battle, expelled the Crusaders from Jerusalem. And because of this Wizard of Oz, you know, in the story of Wizard of Oz, everybody thinks that this wizard is so great, he can do anything. But it was just an illusion until a little girl with a dog pulled the curtain and exposed the wizard for a frail old man who had no power. But he controlled the people through fear and an illusion. And we as an Muslim ummah need to tear down this illusion. And one thing that should warm our hearts is that 100 years the Crusaders occupied Masjid al-Aqsa, the current Zionist apartheid settler state in Palestine has existed. That occupation has existed for over a hundred years since the British entered it in 1917, right? And it's high time that somebody from this ummah now shatters that illusion. And the only reason that Zionist settler apartheid occupation state exists today is because of the collusion of the Arab states, which has been ongoing even before 1947. But now, it is clear for everybody to see when they're coming into the open, like your Morocco's, your UAE's, your Sudan's, uh, uh, your Qatar's, your Turkey's, your Jordan's, your Egypt's, all of them are openly coming out, supporting the Zionists over and above the Muslim Ummah. So now what we as Hizb al-Tahrir have said from day one, that this state only exists because of the collusion of the surrounding Muslim states. People found that hard to understand because they listened to the, to the PR of these countries. Now, that myth has been shattered. And I think the Ummah is now moving into a new phase where they realize that it is the Muslim Ummah 
against all the regimes in the world, against their own regimes and against the Western regimes. And this is a positive step because the Muslim Ummah is bonded by La ilaha illallah. So that's why whenever there's a, a, a catastrophe or an issue, the Ummah responds as one. So for example, when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was insulted in France, the Ummah around the world was upset. The government weren't upset. They offered, you know, token gestures, but it's the Ummah that responded in their millions in demonstration. And this has happened with the Gulf War, whenever bombing of Gaza takes place, the Ummah responds as one. The leaders of the Muslim world do not respond. And they are conspicuous by their absence and by their silence and by their inactivity. So it is becoming clearer day by day that this Ummah has blood in it, it has Iman in it, and it does behave and feel like a distinct ummah as opposed to the other 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 people in the world brother mother uh, i'm going to put you on hold uh, we're just going to go for a quick air break i uh, will be back sure. salam media a global voice for humanity At 9.49 a.m. we continue our discussion with uh, Mazhar Khan, member of Hizb Tahrir in the United Kingdom. We're talking about globalization, we're talking about Muslim world and what, where we are at this point in time. Uh, Brother Mazhar, just before the break, and you spoke about a new phase. Now this is important to understand because uh, looking at where we are, the lines have clearly been drawn. And uh, from Palestine to Kashmir to Yemen to Syria, we see what is taking place in Sri Lanka with uh, the uh, cremation of uh, Muslim bodies under a pandemic and uh, right across the entire world, Libya. And earlier on, I spoke to Dr. Azam Tamimi. Uh, we were talking about the Arab Spring and 10 years later, in terms of the Arab Spring, even talking about democracy. In fact, in fact, the Muslim world, the Arab world, is far worse off now than what it was even in 2010 at the time when the Arab Spring had actually begun. Now, the key question here is for the Muslim Ummah, we know we have major problems as far as leadership is concerned. We've got a major leadership vacuum at this point in time where no single leader is worth his salt at this point in time to lead the Muslim Ummah, Brother Mazar. No, correct. And I think uh, uh, this is something we've been saying for many decades, but now even the common man in the street knows it. So, for example, Saudi Arabia, when it increases the production of oil or, you know, increases the prices of oil or decreases the price of oil, is done at the American diktat, not for the interest of the Muslim ummah. It'll be done for the American interest. When we look at Pakistan that facilitated the war in Afghanistan, the longest American war, Pakistan facilitated the logistical support from Pakistan and allowing Pakistan airspace to be used. Had Pakistan said to America, we are not uh, going to help you, there is no way America could have attacked Afghanistan from thousands of miles away. They need the Muslim Ummah, they need the Muslim land, they need the Muslim airspace, right? Because without that, they are unable to operate. This is why they will make sure by hook and by crook that the political leaderships in these countries are subservient to their demands and their needs. This is why they interfere in, in the politics around the world. And it's because these countries have signed up to the Western world order. They signed up to the World Bank. They signed up to the uh, 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 international uh, uh, rule-based, what they call the international rule-based world, basically being subservient to their international order and their international laws, which has handicapped the Muslim Ummah. So they're not able to act freely. They have to act according to what the West 
demand. So, I mean, you've seen now, for example, um, um, Turkey will act in Libya. Turkey will act in Syria. Turkey will act in Kurdistan, but Turkey will not act uh, against the Zionist occupiers. And you see that Muslims countries, when it comes to the Palestinian occupation, they will feign weakness. They will feign inability. But suddenly that weakness and inability disappears when it comes to attacking Muslim countries. And we've seen that uh, time and time again. So this is what I mean by a new phase, that this illusion that has been cast over us of being weak and divided is not really the case. So it's a case of the Muslim Ummah taking its destiny into its own hands. And this is why the, the governments are getting more brutal in the Muslim world and not tolerating any kind of dissent because of their weakness, not because of their strength. So if you look at Sisi now, Sisi is more brutal than Mubarak was because he realizes that his existence is dependent on outside support. His existence is not dependent on the support from his own people. So he has to crush them and he has to allow America and the Zionists to do whatever they want in order for his survival. So this is an indication of the weakness of the Arab regimes and not their strength because of their brutality. And this is playing across the, the, the Muslim world. And even now in, in uh, uh, Pakistan, you know, Pakistan for so long has been arguing about Kashmir. Kashmir is a disputed territory. Kashmir is part of our land. But America has now stipulated over the last 15, 20 years that you need to resolve this issue because America has sided with India in her battle against the Chinese threat to its global hegemony and its global control of the markets. So even the disputes in the Muslim world are subservient to American interests. So Pakistan has behind the scenes decided that we are going to divide Kashmir between India and Pakistan. The only reason they have not been able to publicly enforce this policy is because the public opinion in Pakistan is against the giving up of Kashmir. So the um, military leadership in Pakistan has already decided and agreed to the American plan of the division of Kashmir, but it is the opinion of the Muslim Ummah. And this is what they're trying to work against over time, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. So recently, Pakistan declared the Gilgis uh, uh, border a, a new region in Pakistan, in Kashmir, which actually goes against its own decade-held policy that the whole of Kashmir is disputed territory. So now they have declared the Pakistan side of Kashmir as their territory, it gives India the green light and the moral legitimacy to say, well, the land we have now taken on the other side is our territory. So you can see that if you follow politics, that Pakistan is following the American agenda, even when it comes to Kashmir, because America wants to strengthen India to stop this, the, 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 the power of China. So America has been the slave, Pakistan has been the slave for America for four, five, six decades, and they have got nothing from it. They have got nothing from it but humiliation and destruction. Yet they still are slavish to that. And now, alhamdulillah, we see that within Pakistan now that, you know, there are voices calling out against this. And, you know, uh, Pakistan is one land where there is a very strong Islamic emotion within the population and within the army. And America fears countries like Pakistan, that these are countries that can tip at any time and become free from the Western world order and establish an Islamic world order. And we know for a fact that if any leader in the Muslim world champions the cause of Islam, 
suddenly our differences fall away and people will support them. Even if we've had, we've had many fake dawns in, the, in our history where somebody claims to be an Islamic ruler, the Ummah supports them. Even when Saddam Hussein stood up against America, even that, that was a geopolitical battle, there was people in Africa, in Uganda and, and, and uh, Kenya wearing We Love Saddam t-shirts, uh, not because they love Saddam Hussein, but because they hate America. So if there was now an independent political entity to rise, not only would the Muslims rally to it, but the third world is fed up of the capitalistic American hegemony and they are looking for a change. And the only ummah with a plan, the only ummah with a vision, and the only ummah with the ability to offer a new direction is the Muslim ummah with the Khilafah model. And that is why we should have comfort and confidence that we have the practical solution, but on top of that, we have the support of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is his cause and it is his agenda. So we should not fear moving forward with this political agenda in the world. Yes, and uh, just uh, quickly, we've got about two or three minutes to go, Brother Mazar. Uh, just uh, talking about the Khilafah and uh, obviously the world is crying out for another Salahuddin AUB at this point in time. Because uh, to many, we think uh, we've reached uh, the lowest point when we see the despair, the death, the destruction all around us and the pitiful sight of uh, millions uh, as far as the Muslim Ummah is concerned right across the entire world. Yes, of course, people are crying out for change. And, you know, commonly heard uh, statement that the dawn comes when the night is at its darkest. And we've seen many episodes of this in the Islamic hi history. When Medina was surrounded by the Ahzab and people didn't know if they were going to survive for the next day. And the Munafiqeen were joking. Munafiqeen were mocking the Muslims saying, we can't even go to the toilet in the middle of the night. And your Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is seeing these deems of conquest of Rome and Istanbul and, these, and Persia. And that was the darkest point. But Rasulullah gave them hope that you will conquer Rome, you will conquer Istanbul, you will conquer Persia. And it happened. And we know that this, this new dawn that is going to come has been promised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, that Allah will have surety. It's a done deal. He will give authority to, to the believers on this earth. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, And then there will be a Khilafah based on the prophethood. Not on the Ottoman model, not on the Abbasi model, not on the Ummawi model, but the Khilafah Rashida model. So the Prophet there will be the Khilafah based on the prophethood. So it's a done deal. It's a done deal. The only question that should be arising in the minds of the Muslim is, are we going to be on the right side of history? Are we going to take part? Are we going to be Salah al-Deens? Are we going to be Muhammad al-Fatih? Or are we going to be forgotten by history because we were just on the we were just people who procrastinated and people who waited, but the minority will take the banner and move forward, and they will be glorified. The name of Salahuddin wasn't known to the Sahaba, but the name of Salahuddin is known to us today, and the name of the future heroes of the Muslim Ummah are not known to us today, but to the future generations they will be celebrated like Salahuddin Ayyubi is celebrated, like Umar al Farooq is celebrated. Like Muhammad al-Fati is celebrated, but it's for us to take that destiny because the destiny is written, it's a done deal. It is a done deal. But we, um, we the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa need to embrace it and need to walk, walk forward 
for the destiny that Allah has written for us. Well, Brother Mazar, Jazakallah so much uh, for that and uh, for your time with us this morning. And I know we could have continued. There's a lot more that uh, we would have loved to discuss with you. And uh, we hope, inshallah, that you will make it to South Africa at uh, some stage. We know, uh, unfortunately, you were not able to make it this time. But uh, inshallah, looking forward to you as well. Allah accept, Allah reward your efforts. And once again, appreciate your time talking to us out of the UK this morning. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com. 